If you have your Bibles tonight, I want you to go and turn to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. We're going to be looking at uh, a passage here. We probably won't get through all of that. Uh, probably won't read all the text, but it's located in uh, uh, verse number 1 going on through uh, verse number 11 and beyond. But uh, I want to preach to you tonight a, a very, it's going to be a, a very simple uh, sermon, and it's, I've already entitled it, it's a promise in pictures of rest. I don't know about you, and I've already alluded to, we touched a little bit on it last week, that uh, I enjoy my rest. I like to be able to sit down and, you know, kind of kick your feet up and, you know, eat you some Doritos and some uh, dip and uh, you know, all that health food stuff that we consume. And uh, I, I just, you know, I, there, there's just times I like to kind of kick back, don't have to worry about anything. You uh, turn your phone off. Uh, uh, you've gotten the kids out of the house. Uh, already, I'm, I'm so restful just thinking about all that. <laughs> but reality is that uh, you usually do not get a lot of those kind of moments, do you? But may I remind you, there will be coming a day when you will have perfect rest. And we can have rest even now if we put our rest in Him. And so uh, you're looking at Hebrews chapter 4. We're starting in verse number 1. This is what the Word of the Lord says. It says, Let us therefore fear. Pastor alluded to it. Uh, this morning about fear and um, when he described fear it wasn't that you're cowering down uh, but you're in reverence of but here but here it's uh, uh, it's more if you could put it holy anxiety see there's some things we need to fear we need to fear that we're going to and we should fear that we're going to miss out on what God has in store for us that ought, that, ought to, that ought to make you fearful. I don't know about you, but I want everything that the Lord wants me to have. But the problem is, so many times we miss what God is wanting to offer us and we let it pass by us. And we've already looked at that as we looked in the book of Hebrews where there's some things that we just let to kind of drift away. We've neglected some things. We didn't pay as close as attention to some of the things that we should have been paying close attention to and we've missed out on some things that God had in store for us. He said, let us therefore fear, lest a promise. See, he, what the writer of Hebrews is saying is, you need to be afraid. You need to have some holy anxiety. God has given you a promise and you don't want to miss out on that promise. Let us therefore fear lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest. And any of you should seem to come short of it. The writer of Hebrews is uh, telling us that uh, here's something I want you to pay close attention to. God has given us a promise. He's given us a promise that we can enter into his rest. And I'm fearful for you that you're going to fall short of it. 
One of the things that I'm learning as a, a grandfather and, and as a, a father is uh, I, I watch my children growing up and you know I have just like all of us do I have I have dreams and I have um, you know I, I have some high hopes for my children I want them to be successful in life and you know and I want them to you know grow up and have their own families and we all have those dreams and uh, but we got to be careful is that uh, sometimes uh, we want dreams for our children that really were not intended for our children they were really intended for us have you found as you grow a little older that you've missed out on some things and you want to do everything you can to let your children know you don't need to miss some of the things that I've missed are you all catching this Jesus Christ He is concerned that we're going to miss out on some things and he doesn't want us to fall short of it. But then he goes on and he says uh, that any of you that have seen and and that you have fallen short of it, he says, for unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preach did not profit them not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Now, we're going to look at some more verses there, but uh, we're setting the stage here, if you will. We see here that he's talked about that uh, we have been given a promise. And that same promise, if you will, was promised to those who were wandering in the wilderness. See, they had a promise uh, that they could find Canaan, the land that was promised them, and when they found Canaan, they would find rest. The Lord Jesus Christ, because of what He has done for us, He's allowed us to have access to a land, if you will, that has been promised to us. He has promised us that we can have rest. Now, there's three different kinds of rest that we're going to see in the text tonight. First of all, we're going to see what is we call creation rest, or you could call it Sabbath rest. Then we're also going to see Canaan rest. Remember last week we talked about uh, that this uh, that uh, uh, Sabbath rest had dealt with salvation and, and that our salvation is complete. It's a done deal. You got everything that you needed when you got saved. Okay, but then we see that Canaan rest gives us a picture, if you will, that we come to a point to where we have totally surrendered over to the lordship of Jesus Christ. There's where we struggle many times, surrendering. And then we'll see the third rest, and the third rest is Calvary rest. And so tonight, by God's grace, we're going to look at a promise and pictures of rest. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the word that we're going to look into tonight. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to stand before your people. And I understand the daunting task. Lord, I'm, I'm not taking this lightly. Lord, you know that there are far more 
that are qualified and more gifted than I. But you've chosen me, and I thank you for that. And Lord, sir, I pray tonight that I will not be coming in Mike's strength, but I'll be coming under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and you will help me to preach the message that our people need to hear. Not only hear, but heed too. Lord, help us to be encouraged tonight that you have something wonderful in store for us. You want to continue to bless us beyond our wildest imaginations. But we lose many times those blessings that have been promised, not because you're not faithful, but because we're not faithful to heed your word and do what you've told us to do. So help us tonight to do exactly that. Help us to hear your word and to act upon your word. I pray for that lost person who's here tonight. Holy Spirit, would you bring conviction upon them and that they'll realize they're in need of a Savior. Lord, if they're lost tonight, there's no way they can have rest. They can go to bed at night. They can go ahead and get their eight hours in, but they can't get real rest. And I pray that they will not rest until you arrest them with your Holy Spirit and they come to know you as personal Lord and Savior. We thank you in advance for what you're going to do with us this evening. Thank you for what you've already done. And we pray all of this in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. And so here as we looked, we see that there was a promise and we're going to see a little bit later on, there's pictures of rest. Now, what are we talking about here? What does it mean about rest? Oh, remember, they've been in the wilderness. And as they were in the wilderness, they were wandering around. Last week, we looked at seven ways, uh, seven things that you can do that will keep you in the wilderness. And so we see that they're wandering around, they're, they're restless, they're, 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 they're mumbling, they're complaining, they're not satisfied with anything. If you've ever taken uh, philosophy... First of all, I advise you not to do that. But, uh, but if you have happened to take philosophy, you, uh, you might have took a course like Philosophy 101. I had to take this course, and uh, it was a course that uh, uh, I got a little depressed about. I, I just thought that they just talk in circles. They never come to a conclusion. See, that's what philosophy would do. Philosophy would just talk about it. will never come to a conclusion. They just leave it open. But one of the things that you will study there or look at is called Plato. Plato, we all know, one of the great, they say great, philosophers of yesteryear. And there is an allegory. It's called the allegory of the cave. Now, in this allegory, he talks about there's a group of people and they're in a cave. They've been in this cave for quite some time. Uh, they have lived in this cave for quite a while. And the only of light that they see is a light that's burning behind them, a little fire that has been set. And as they have their backs towards that light, they're looking at the wall of the cave and they see nothing but shadows. Every day they wake up, they see shadows. And so over the course of time, they've gotten used to just seeing shadows. One of the uh, per, uh, people uh, in that cave thought, uh, you know, I'm going to get out of this cave. And so they escaped that cave and they come into the bright sunlight. Well, they've never seen anything like this before. They've only seen shadows. 
And so he's looking around. He's seeing the sunlight. He's seeing the brilliant colors. And he's seeing the beauty of the landscape. And he's just all excited. He said, I've never seen anything. I didn't know anything like this existed. And so he goes back to the cave because he wants to tell the good news that there is something far, far greater than what they've been used to. So he goes and he starts to tell his story. And they all looked at him like he was a fool. They didn't believe his story. Now, what's the purpose of this story? The purpose of this story is you can be and you can look at shadows to where you're getting used to that's the way reality is. And then when someone tells you there's something better than shadows, there's substance, you won't even go out to look at it. Too many believers in the Lord Jesus Christ have been satisfied with shadows. And they do not know the full glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. They've never seen the manifestation of the Lord Jesus Christ. I dare say tonight that I'm speaking to someone who has never truly seen a Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost feel revival. I'm not talking about a, a makeup revival. I'm talking about a genuine revival where the power of God fell on a place and the, the man of God preached like he's never preached before and people were getting saved and, and all that and, and we're, we're seeing the manifestation. I'm telling you, I long to see another Holy Ghost Spirit-filled revival. But the reason why we're not seeing it in many of our churches today is because we've gotten so used to the shadows. And God says, I got something better for you. In Romans chapter 3, verse number 23, we all know, and we've used this in our witnessing. In Romans 3, 23, it says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now we understand that's a, a, a scripture that we'll use to help introduce someone, to help them to realize that they're a sinner. But I'll tell you that I believe there are some believers that need to go back and revisit that verse. Because too many of us have come short. Now, we're not talking about our losing our salvation. We're not talking about uh, if you've, uh, you hadn't been saved. I'm talking about you've been saved. You know you're saved. You're secure in your salvation. You have no problems about that. But too many times we've gotten so used to the shadows, we've gotten so used to coming short of the glory of God that we've kind of had and hunkered down and we're saying we're satisfied when he has so much more in store for us. Our church needs to realize that God really wants to manifest himself amongst us. It is God's desire that he sees that oh, we have a passion and excitement that no one else can explain because we got so used to shadows. I dare say many people, and I, I did not do a scientific research on this, but I've, I've been studying churches, and you realize, and I know of churches that were good churches, growing churches, but now if you go back, they're about half empty, there's no fire there. And I thought, how can that be? Here's how it can be. Is that we've gotten so used to the status quo. We've gotten so comfortable 
Hey, it, it, as long as we're making our budget, as long as we baptize one or two along the way, you know, we're, we're okay with that. After all, we know times are tough. And after all, we know that. And we got all kinds of excuses. But what happens is, after a while, you sit in a dead church to where you think that you're really in a live church. Why? Because we've gotten satisfied with shadows. So this is what he's talking about here in Hebrews. Now, as we look through Hebrews, I've already alluded to, there was a promise. Now, in verse number 1, we see that he gives this promise. What is the promise that he is given? Well, he says that a promise was given, and he's referring to the promise that was given to the children of Israel. They were promised a land. Matter of fact, not only were they given a promise, but in Numbers chapter numbers 14 and verses 7 through 9, I'm paraphrasing here, that even the spies went out, and they went out into the land that had been promised them. There were ten. Two came back and said, Hey, God has spoke to us. God's given us a promise. Now, uh, that in and itself should have been enough, Right? Just God's promising. But they went and they scattered out. And they said that truly the Lord is with us. Now, now watch it. Here's the report. They're coming back to the people who were stuck in the wilderness. They're wandering around. They go back and say, hey, hey, remember when God spoke and God spoke a promise. He said that there will be a land flowing with milk and honey. We've went and we've scouted this land out. And here's the report. The Lord is with us. And then they go on to say, do not fear. Do not fear. The problem with many of our churches today is we have become afraid. We've become afraid to step out in faith. See, we've gotten so educated, we've gotten so sophisticated that if we can't figure it out on paper, then we just feel like it's not God's will. How sad, how sad is that? We think if we can't orchestrate it in ourselves, it can't be done. That could be the problem why many churches are dying today is because they thought if they could orchestrate it, they'd go ahead and they find the real charismatic kind of a guy. Now, I like fiery preaching and I'm grateful that I sit under fiery, passionate preaching. But I'm telling you, if you, you can have passion and you can have fire and still have no content. Are you staying with me? And so, uh, so they, 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 they try to manufacture and then they, they get and they, uh, they, they always, it seems like we always got to top what we did last week. What's happened is that too many of our churches have become entertainment venues. I'm telling you, we have lost sight of where our power lies. It lies in the power of a holy God. A God that spoke the universe into existence. A God that parted the Red Sea. They saw Him do wonderful miracles. They heard the report, God is with us. Do not fear. We can enter into this land. But what did they do? They became satisfied with shadows. I pray tonight that 
We are not a church that's satisfied with shadows. I want to see the full glory of the Lord. I want to see God do things that I thought would never, ever happen. Wouldn't it be wonderful, Pastor already alluded to this fact, wouldn't it be wonderful if we just went ahead and we said, you know what, we're fed up with seeing shadows. We want to see the glory of God fall on this place. And I'm going to surrender my total being over to Him. By the way, for you to enter rest, that means that you have complete, total reliance on God. Total reliance on God. And could it be that we, and, and, and here again, don't, before I say that, a pastor, he'll, he'll, oh, he'll get upset if I say, understand where I'm coming from here. Could it be that we've gotten so prosperous, we've been able to put money in the bank, we've been able to do some other things that we've never been able to do, to where we're now saying, don't look for the power of God. We can go ahead and take care of that by just writing a check. God help us that we lose sight of where our power comes from. Our power comes from a holy God who is wanting to interact with holy people. By the way, we have a responsibility in this. We can go ahead and, and, and shout the glory down all you want to, but if you're not living right, He's not going to show His power. Amen. See, we got a part to play in this. We have to be wholly separated. We have to totally surrender that God, you're the boss. You call the shots in my life. But what happens when he calls something that we can't quite figure it out or we can't add it up? That's when we're missing it. Because the Bible is quite clear. Notice what the scripture says here. The reason why they missed that promise is because they didn't exercise faith. See, faith will always conquer fear. Faith will always conquer fear. And so here he says that there was a promise. The promise was made, first of all, it was made to those at Kadesh Barnea. And then it was made to Joshua after the death of Moses. Now he has made that promise to us as well. Now, when we're talking about the promises, what are we talking about? First of all, we're in verse number 4. We're going to see that he first rest that he talks about is Sabbath rest. So you're at verse number four, everybody there? It says, For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all of his works. It's called creation rest or Sabbath rest. Now, I was a little nervous about this, and I'm going to throw it out there, okay? If I get reprimanded, uh, I probably need it. <clears throat> but I started thinking about, it took six days. The Bible says it took six days for God to create, right? 
By the way, you understand that he could have done it in one day. But the Bible says he took took six days and he rested on the seventh day. The seventh day, the Jews still do call it the Sabbath, right? The Sabbath is on Saturday. If you go to Israel on Saturday, uh, you can go to an elevator called the Sabbath. Uh, elevator uh, where you can get on and it will automatically stop at every floor. And the reason why it does that is so you do not have to work by pushing that button for the floor that you want. They celebrate the Sabbath. Seven-day Adventists still celebrate the Sabbath day. Now the Bible says that was the seventh day, right? So, and here, watch now, y'all probably got this figured out, but I, I, I just I thought, wow, I've never seen this before. So I understand that when God created, there was nothing there. I understand that. He did not have the days divided out until uh, uh, later on. I understand all that. But just for me to kind of wrap my brain. And so, so when did God start creation? He had to start it on a Sunday, right? Sunday. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, right? Now, what's so interesting about that? If he started it on Sunday, when do we worship? On Sunday. Now, understand, we worship on the on the Lord's day, the day that he was resurrected. I understand all of that. But if you even go back, even before the beginning of creation, God had this plan in mind. He never intended that Sabbath was the day to celebrate. It was always Sunday. Because he knew before the foundations of the world that his son, his only son, was going to come and die on a cross. He was going to take your sin. He was going to take my sin. He was going to be our sacrifice. He was going to shed his blood, the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ so that we could have remission of our sin. And that's the reason why we celebrate on Sunday. I'm telling you, God never has a plan B. He's always had one plan, and that one plan is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so here we see the Sabbath day. Now, when we talk about the Sabbath day, we can call it creation day. Why would we call it creation day? Well, it says here that he rested from his creation works. Now, catch this. Don't think that God, after he created, uh, and and he uh, just went ahead and sat down and says, okay, my job's done. Only the creation process was done. The redemptive work was still in action. Okay? Now, when you go to the Old Testament, the Old Testament, that's all shadows, right? 
When they worship in the tabernacle, that was a shadow of, of one to come. When they got into the temple, it was a shadow of a one to come. Well, we see that all the Old Testament was shadows. And the Lord says, that's not what I intended, but we're going to see that he always had one plan. And even in the Old Testament, this is the reason why it's so relevant for us today to study the Old Testament. The Old Testament is still relevant for us today because if you don't understand the Old Testament, you'll never understand the New Testament. And by the way, Jesus made reference to the Old Testament many times over. Why? Because he's trying to show us God had a plan. It was one plan and his plan has never ever changed. And his plan is that if you're going to get saved, you must come to know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Even if you're Jewish, you still have to come by the way of the cross. And so here, it was creation. Now, we also can refer to it as uh, Sabbath rest, or we can refer to it as our salvation, is because that's exactly what happened to us when we got saved, is it not? The Bible says you became a new creature in Christ. Behold, all things pass away. Aren't you glad that the old man has been crucified and the new man, the new man which represents what Jesus Christ has done for you is alive and well in you and we're all now new creatures in Christ. And so we see there is the Sabbath rest. But then in verses 6 through 8, we look and there's Canaan rest. So in verses 6 through 7, Notice what he says. And he says, And and seeing, therefore, it remaineth that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not because of unbelief. They just flat out didn't believe God. They knew the promise. They heard the promise. They heard the, the, they heard the report from the two spies. They rejected that. Why? Because of unbelief. But then verse number 7 goes on and says, And again, He limited a certain day, saying in, uh, in David, Today, after so long a time, as it is said, today... If ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. He's quoting from Psalms 95 here in verse number 7. He's talking about Canaan rest now. So we've moved from creation rest or Sabbath rest. Now he's moved into Canaan rest. Canaan rest is where they would have uh, as they listen to the instructions of the Lord. If they listen to the promises of God, He says, I have a land waiting for you. And if you would enter this land, you would enter into rest. You wouldn't have to wonder anymore. I don't know about you, but I I get uh, my sense of direction is not very good. And, and And I get lost. Very easily. And uh, once I get lost, it's over. I have to stop. I have to call, you know, roadside assistance or whatever I have to do. Uh, I get so turned around. And I hate, I hate, I hate wandering around. 
My family hates it even worse. I'll tell them things like, I know a shortcut. We're going through Atlanta. I know a shortcut. And I wind up in a place where I don't need to be, and my, certainly my family doesn't need to be. I mean, we're locking the doors, you know, we're getting the weapons. I mean, you know, we're in one of those places, and they all look at me and saying, yeah, you know a shortcut. And then they start ripping on to me pretty good and, and, and all that. I hate being lost. I hate wandering around not where I'm going. Every one of us can identify with that, right? Ladies, it's usually your husbands that get you lost, right? Because we have something instilling us that will not allow us to ask for instructions or directions. Don't need it. I'll find our way around here. Three hours later, didn't we just pass that place just before? We hate doing that. But yet when it comes to our spiritual journey it doesn't seem to upset us quite as much. So what happened to the children of Israel. They're wandering around 40 years, wandering around, mumbling, grumbling. And God says, I'm telling you, I've told you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. And what happened here, the psalmist in 95, uh, Psalms 95, which uh, helps us to, uh, uh, to understand that's a messianic psalm, is that we have hardened our hearts. Now, I know, guys, you have not done anything like this with your wives. It's your fault. You know it's your fault, but you don't want to admit it. You've got them lost. Your shortcut has turned into extra six hours to the trip. And so she's over there. She's, she's ticked off and... You're ticked off because she's ticked off and you're ticked off at yourself, but you're not wanting to say, hey, I'm sorry, I messed up. But what we do is we harden our hearts. I am not going to give her the satisfaction to know that I'm lost. And I'll go ahead and pretend I know exactly what I'm doing. Now, guys, I'm the only one that's admitting that right now, but we've all been there. We'll harden our hearts just so I don't have to say it's my fault. And we do it many times in our spiritual relationship as well. We're wandering around in the wilderness. We know what God wants us to do, but we think we have a little better way. And so we're going around and we're running around and people start asking, you know, hey, is everything okay with you? Yeah, everything's fine. Everything's good. You know, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Yeah, pray. I can't, you know, we're getting all that church language going on and we got all the right terminology. But inside we're miserable because we have disobeyed God and we've started to harden our hearts. And all we had to do was say, God, forgive me. That's all you have to do. In most cases, people will receive you and they already know you messed up. Just go and say, you know what? I messed up. I didn't know no shortcut. Yeah, we already knew that. Had to fill up with gas twice before we found the interstate again. I'm sorry. 
No problem. Aren't you glad that when you're wandering around and when you're starting to harden your hearts and you're still hearing from God but you're not heeding what He's telling you, aren't you glad that you can always come with a contrite heart and say, Lord, I'm sorry, I've messed up. Will you forgive me? And the Bible is quite clear. He's faithful and He's true to forgive us each and every time. Canaan rest where we, have, we don't have to wonder anymore. I finally got it nailed down. Lord, I will go where you tell me to go. Lord, I won't hesitate. Lord, even though it might not make sense to me, if you told me, I'm going to go. Total reliance upon Him. But then we see not only Canaan rest, but we also... Look at Calvary rest. That starts in verse number 9. But I want you to look at verse number 11. Okay, very quickly. We're, we're, we're We're getting ready to land here. Verse number 11. Listen to what the word says. He says, and let us labor. That word labor. And Ecclesiastes, it's made mention of numerous times. That word labor means to toil, to work hard. He says, let us labor, therefore, uh, to enter into that rest. What rest? He's talking about Calvary rest here. Enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. So what he's talking about here, he's talking about Calvary rest. He's talking about do not neglect Calvary rest. See, the Bible is quite clear. Jesus himself said it this way. He says, come who who have labor and who are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Aren't you glad to know tonight if you've come to know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, isn't it a wonderful feeling? Isn't it a glorious feeling to know that that load that you were having to carry around by yourself, you no longer have to carry around? The Bible says you just come and place it at the feet. Every one of us has had baggage. Every one of us in here has been heavy laden. Every one of us has been in a position to where we were miserable inside. Everything that we tried to attempt, we could get no satisfaction on. We're doing a study in Ecclesiastes. And Ecclesiastes and Hebrews can almost go side by side. Because in Ecclesiastes, it talks about that man was looking at various things and it came back to it was all in vain. He talked about man works hard and works hard and works hard. And then at the end of the day, he doesn't have anything. and He doesn't get any satisfaction in anything that he's attempted to do. He's tried pleasure. That didn't work. He tried working hard. That didn't work. He did everything he could do to find satisfaction, but he never found satisfaction until he met Jesus Christ. That's a testimony of a lot of us here tonight, is it not? We tried everything we could. We tried getting money. Money, that's it. If I could just get me a little more money. Promotion comes up. You're up for the promotion. 
what I want. Man, if I could land that job. You get that job. Six months later, you're ready to retire or quit. Be careful what you ask for. All that stress that you had and you're thinking, man, I'll just go back. I'll just go back to the production line. I get to go home at five o'clock. Here, I'm working to midnight sometimes. And, and, and so we, we, do, we do everything. We, we go and we buy ski boats and uh, bass boats and all these kind of things. Nothing in and itself is wrong with that. But if that's where you're starting and you're saying, you know, I just need to relax some. I just need some rest. You better be careful. You'll find out very quickly that will not give you contentment nor peace. Only the Lord Jesus Christ can do that for you. I made mention this morning, St. Augustine prayed a prayer similar to this. He says, speaking to the Lord, he says, Lord, you have made us for yourself. Our hearts are restless and they will not find rest until we are in you. Our rest comes from knowing Jesus Christ is our personal Lord and Savior. Now, there was an African missionary. He was driving his pickup truck. He was going down this dirt road. He saw a man that was carrying a load. If you know anything about that area, it's not only that area, but many areas uh, of the world, they carry their loads on a, a pole or a stick, and they'll put them all either on their heads or up on their shoulders, and they'll carry great amounts of weights that way. And they had to walk long distances. So here's the missionary. He's going down this road and he sees a man, very heavy load, and he's kind of straining another. And he knows that there's quite a bit of mileage still yet to go to the village that he figured that he was going to. So he pulls over and uh, he tries to dialogue with this man. He says, hey, get in the back of my truck. I'll go ahead, uh, you and your load, and I'll take you to where you need to go. So the man says, thank you, and he, he gets in the truck. Missionary's running low. He looks in the rearview mirror, and the man is standing up in the back of the pickup truck with the load still on him. He thought, well, what? He somehow, uh, I didn't interpret correctly something here. So he pulls out, and he goes and engages in conversation again. He says, well, what are you doing? He says, I'm carrying my load. He says, no, you don't understand. He says, why, are you, why didn't you put your load down where you could sit down to take that load off of you? He says, oh, he says, I am sorry, I misunderstood. I just thought when you said you helped me with my load, you, I thought you meant that your truck could only carry me, and that's the reason why I was carrying my load. Now you think, that's a silly little story. But there's a lot of truth to that. Amen. See, Calvary rest means this. That when you come with your baggage and your load, He takes it all. Not only does He lift it from you, He cares it for you. And when we're going through times of trouble and we have families in our church, even as we speak, that are carrying a heavy load. They're carrying a heavy load. They have a loved one who has serious Oh, disease, long-term illnesses. We have many in our church that are carrying the burden and the load of 
grandchildren and children. And we can go on and on and on and on. And I want you to know, you, you might not realize, and we all can put on a pretty happy face, can't we? But you never know who you're sitting with on any given Sunday or any given Wednesday in front of you or on either side of you who's carrying a heavy, heavy load. Now I understand the Lord Jesus Christ can take that load and He's the best one to take that. But aren't we more like Christ when we offer to help carry their load? I started thinking about this. I get so caught up in my little petty... I I get caught up in my issues that sometimes I forget there's someone who's carrying a far heavier load than I am. And isn't it more like Jesus than ever when we come alongside a brother or a sister and say, hey, I know you're carrying a pretty good load. I just want you to know I'm here for you and I'll help you carry it. Matter of fact, Just go ahead and put it on my shoulders. Because there's coming a day, if it hasn't already, there's coming a day when you're going to be weighed down with a heavy burden. And you're going to be looking around saying, Lord, if you could just send somebody alongside me. What goes around will eventually come around. And every one of us here tonight has carried a load. And if you haven't, you will. And isn't that what the body of Christ should be about? Carrying one another's loads. Because the greatest load that you could carry was your sin load. And the Lord Jesus Christ said, I will take it and I will remove it and I will not bring it to remembrance no more. Isn't that good? And so here we see, when we come to total reliance on the Lord Jesus Christ, there's three rests that we see here in the text tonight. We see there's Sabbath rest. That's where you come to know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. By the way, when He saves you, He saves you completely. But then we also have Canaan rest. And Canaan rest is when we are coming out of the wilderness and we have very clear direction on where we need to go. The Lord Jesus has shown us. He said, this is the way I want you to travel. This is where I, the path I want you to take. And we've come to a point in our life to where we totally surrender. Totally surrender. See, the problem with too many is that we'll go ahead and let go, but we always wind up taking it back. That's not where he ever attended. He says, go ahead, place it at my feet, and never, never return to it because he's qualified to handle it. And he handles it completely. And then we looked at Calvary rest. We no longer have to fight Oh, we have battles to fight with Satan. I'm not saying that. 
But we're not fighting for our victory. We're fighting from our victory because our victory has already been won because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. When he died on the cross, he shed his blood and he gave us forgiveness of sin and where his wonderful words ring in our ears and our hearts. He says, I've come to give life and life more abundant and I've come to give eternal, everlasting life. And you can have that tonight. Maybe somebody's tired. You're tired of wandering in the wilderness. You've heard God. You know what God wants you to do. But you have not come to a point in your life where you've totally surrendered over to His Lordship. Maybe you need to get that taken care of tonight. Maybe you're here tonight and you've never been saved. You've never have had a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ tonight. You've never experienced the life-changing miracle that He wants to work in your life. Jesus is wanting to save you. And if you're here tonight, He wants to save you tonight. And so maybe this invitation is for you that you come and you come to know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. But maybe, just maybe, you're saying, Brother Mike, I'm satisfied. I am secure in my salvation. I really believe to the best of my abilities, I'm out of the wilderness and I'm in that Canaan rest. Could it be, could it be that you have received that rest, but there's someone around about you that is still struggling a little bit with that? And could it be that God has allowed you to come into their circle of influence, if you will, and you've come to help them and show them and help them with their rest. And also tonight, we have some that are physically, mentally, emotionally need rest. They're carrying a heavy load. They're taking care of a loved one that demands a lot of their time. They have a child, a grandchild that they don't even know where they're at tonight and they're burdened for them. Could it be that maybe they just need to have somebody just to come alongside them, put an arm around them and say, don't know what's going on, but I want you to know I'm here for you. Folks, I'm telling you, I've heard and I have experienced it. Sometimes just a little wrap around the... And just a little word of encouragement gets it back to where you think I can make it another day.